0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 9, the Dave Snuggerud Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before we flip the switch and turn this on, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. I've been looking forward to this interview for a while now. My next guest is a former NHLer who spent time with the Buffalo Sabres, San Jose Sharks, and Philadelphia Flyers, a 1988 U.S. Olympian, played Division I hockey for the University of Minnesota, and now the co-founder and director of education at Breakaway Academy in Minnesota. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming a former Gopher teammate of mine, Dave Snuggerud. Hey Snuggy, and welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast. Well Lance, thanks for having me
1: and congratulations on your endeavors here of uh, working the podcast and sounds like telling some great stories about great people. So I don't know if I can add to that. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I'm sure excited to be with you, Lance.
0: Well, I, I know you can add a lot of value to this, and I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing your journey because, the, you know, you look on paper and you can see the path the player has traveled, but what I'm hoping to achieve is to, you know, let's pull back a few of the layers of the onion and uh, get into, you know, what it was really like growing up Dave Snuggerud. So that takes us into our first question. Let's take a trip down memory lane and tell everyone where you grew up, your introduction to hockey and other sports that you played, and again, basically just give us a snapshot of what it was like to grow up Dave Snuggerud.
1: Well, um, it's it's interesting uh, that you start with this question. Of course, you want to start from the beginning, but Uh, There was not a lot of drama uh, for me as a youngster because I just loved being outdoors, playing uh, the multiple sports of baseball, played a little bit of soccer, played the football, uh, definitely played a lot of hockey. Uh, But it was a multi-sport with never a vision of trying to get somewhere through athletics. It was just a passion for being outdoors with your buddies and playing uh, all different types of sports. And, And I did that at the local... Um, community center, which we had a little baseball field, and we had the outdoor hockey rinks, uh, and that was in a little town of Minnetonka called Glen Lake. Uh, And it was a great, great environment for a kid to grow up in because you ride your bike and you go play with your buddies. Um, You missed the dinner bell when it rang, and you got home and you ate when uh, the food was on the table after hours, so it was really kind of fun.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, well, you did say that uh, you know there it wasn't about trying to achieve anything. it was just playing with your buddies and what was the next sport up. but at some point there there was a fire set inside of you where you had the desire to play college hockey and maybe even pro uh, when what age did that kind of pop into play?
1: Uh, good question I, I think when decisions are made. Uh, to what you want to decide what you want to do, uh, it's it's really the setbacks that, that you're experiencing that brings things to light. So I went to Hopkins High School um, and, and played there and I graduated in eighty four. But when I played uh, high school hockey, once again, it was just about being with my buddies and having fun. Um, and then uh, I, I, I had I played with some good players in high school. Uh, but I had the ability to do some things um, with with the gifts that I was given. But one of those gifts wasn't hard work. <laughs> it was a gift of just being able to make plays and, like I said, be around your buddies and have some fun with it. And so I graduated in 84, and then after my uh, senior year, I was, like, done playing hockey. And that's the point I was making uh, earlier. It's, like, kind of your setbacks. It's like, okay, I really like this game. What should I be doing with it? But now my career is over with. And Okay,
0: so let me get this straight. Your senior year, you're, the hockey season's over, and you are not committed to any college.
1: No, uh-uh. I, I had no, and it's not like it's a Cinderella story. It was just because I just enjoyed the game, and I didn't know you really could make a career out of it. Um, I was a senior and I wanted to go to college and I wanted to be a school teacher. But uh, after uh, that, the season ended there in March, uh, no, late February, we lost the Minnetonka. I was like, I think I want to continue to do this. Uh, but I had no opportunities. Uh, it was funny, then I did get a call uh, in early June from a gentleman by the name of Dean Talifus. Uh, Dean Dean was the head coach at the uh, University of Minnesota, had a good NHL career with the Rangers. He started the team in the USHL and he gave me a call and it was just out of the blue and asked me if I wanted to join and I had no plans what I wanted to do. So I took took that opportunity and said, yes, I'd love to come play for you.
0: So the USHL was a different league back then, I think, wasn't it? It was a little tougher. I mean, not as skilled as it is now.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a different league. There wasn't as many kids moving on to play college at that time uh, as there is now, and so it was just really a chance to play uh, another year of hi- hockey. And so the the league was developing, uh, of course. And right now, it's an unbelievable league. If you're participating in the USHL, it's it's great opportunities for kids to play college. But at the time, you're right, Lance, it was, it was more of a, you know, kind of a meat and potatoes, which is fine, uh, type of a league. Uh, but I had a chance to play for Dean, and then it's great. Uh, uh, like I said, I had the, the, the skill and the abilities, but I didn't have the work ethic. And about two months into it, Dean decides to kick me off his team because I wasn't trying very hard. Uh <laughs> Uh, doing the practices and the games. And so he sent me home. And once again, I'm back to my thought process in, uh, in March when like I'm all done, what am I gonna do? So I had to make a decision. It's like, do I wanna continue to try to do this or or jump into the education world and become a school teacher? Uh, But uh, the decision was made uh, with conversation with Dean. You gotta give a little bit more effort. You gotta try a little bit harder. And so that's kind of what changed my ways uh, was his conversations with me his motivation towards me saying yeah you have potential but you have to put some work ethic behind it and so Dean did that for me and um, I did have a great second half of the USHL season.
0: So we were talking before uh, we started and I was telling you about just the exercise that I went through of trying to document my journey as a hockey player and uh it was interesting because very few of the memories were actually playing a hockey game. It was more of the people who said something to us at certain times that kind of changed our trajectory and I had several. So it's nice to see that, uh, you know, Dean did that for you. Uh, so you got the opportunity to, to continue to play. Uh, in the USHL, and you do end up playing college hockey for your hometown Minnesota Gophers. Uh, what was that recruiting process like? Uh, you know, were there? I mean, if you got Minnesota, th- there might be a couple other schools involved. If there were, who were they, and why did you end up going with the Gophers?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I want to touch on real quick what you said about about the layers and the onions and the. <laughs> Yeah, you know, every player, Lance, including you and all all the hockey players, there, there's a story always for these guys, and it's kind of cool. Uh, the story is, is is coming from their setbacks. So if, as you continue, uh, Lance, to grow in your podcast here, you're going to be talking with a lot of players, and you're going to find out they all have a story and they all have a setback. Um, and so – uh, what's great about uh, that is that young kids have an opportunity to hear some of these stories and say, hey, how can I do things differently? And with me, it was just a question of, of being determined and working really hard at something. It's setting your aspires, your goals as something and then really diving into it and give your best efforts. And so I did that that second half of the year. Uh, and uh, you know, I was, and there was the stories of what you hear. I was the first one on the ice. I was the last one to leave. I was uh, watching NHL games. I was following college hockey, uh, and that helped me to learn to be a, a hockey player is by watching and by doing and by actively training really hard. And so that during, and it wasn't towards the, the second half. Uh, of that USA season, it was late. I think it was in May. And the University of Miami of Ohio had given me a call, uh, and they brought went down there for a recruiting trip. And uh, I got down there, and me on the side, I want to be a school teacher. The, uh, Miami of Ohio is a great teaching school. So I got down there, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great opportunity. I want to play uh, down of Ohio and I want to go to school here and can get my degree in, in uh, education. So uh, I came back from the trip real excited and then that night I got a call from University of Minnesota uh, and at the time it was Brad Buteau uh, was the coach and he had offered a, 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 a small scholarship and so now you make you know, how do you make decisions and that's part of the whole process uh, that I went through with my father, and my mother, on how to make these decisions, and you'd list the pros and the cons. Uh, and it ended up being I wanted to play at the University of Minnesota. So that decision was late; it was uh, early June. And so I decided to go to the University of Minnesota with knowing there's a big, uh, a, a big depth chart there, meaning a lot of players ahead of me that were very good hockey players. Where at Miami of Ohio, I probably could have had a chance to play right away. But I was willing to take that chance to work at something uh, to hopefully become a gopher someday.
0: So you finally got uh, a work ethic established. You got away from rocking it at a medium pace most of the time. <laughs> uh, and you go into the gophers. So just, just touch on kind of the 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 jump up to that level and, you know, did you get in the lineup right away, or were there, were there some weekends off?
1: Yeah, and, and that whole USHL experience—that's what helped me. So that you, if you really want to do something, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no secret formula. You you have to really learn how to work and dedicate your time, uh, and, and 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 put the effort knowing that you're going to fail along the way and how you deal with that failure is going to make uh, really define who you are. And so I go to the University of Minnesota uh, and I they had a JV team program at the time. It was great. So here we're playing against Hamlin, we're playing against St. Thomas, uh, and we're playing against some of these teams and I was on the JV team. Uh, my roommate at the time was Todd Richards. Uh, and, and Todd Richards, then we, uh, it was... Uh, early in the year, and he would get to get dressed to go to the Friday night and Saturday night games, and I sat in the dorm and had to watch him walk out the door. Uh, and Todd was great about it, but it's like, oh, okay, if I want this opportunity, I have to continue to do uh, really well but um, and try really hard and know that it wasn't going to be easy. So I played JV there for half the year, and one of the players got injured, uh, University of Minnesota. And... Uh that was just kind of the – it was an opportunity uh, that they gave me, and it was unfortunately through an uh, upperclassman's injury, and they just said, "Are you in the lineup, and we got the go, chance to go out to Lowell. And I uh, played with a guy named David Grannis and Paulie Broughton out there um, when we went out to Lowell and just had a good weekend series out there and uh, I didn't do anything fancy, just knowing that I was playing consistently hard, and uh, both ends of the ring, So that opportunity existed. A, I had to continue to work hard. B, it, it came through an unfortunate situation to an upperclassman that got hurt. Uh, and then I just made sure I capitalized on the opportunity from that very first shift all the way through the
0: entire weekend. So it was good. You know, it, it's it's unfortunate how that'll happen where someone else's misfortune is another person's gain. Same thing happened to me. I think I was in my sixth or seventh year playing pro hockey and we were five games into the season. I made it out of camp but I was the seventh defenseman and uh, two players, one you know, Sean Hill and the other Stanislav Nestkash, went down with season ending knee injuries and I go from number seven to number five and I play the rest of the games that year. So uh, you don't know when that opportunity is going to come but you just better make sure you're ready to take advantage of it, right?
1: You're exactly right, because you, you don't know uh, the, the, the path to wherever you want to get to. It, it's not it's not a golden road. It's like I said, it's early, it's setbacks. And so what you're saying is that you don't know when that opportunity. You look at you look at Boldy right now um, with the uh, Wild, and you know he wasn't called up right away, and it wasn't an easy path to get there, but he trained well enough. So he was ready for opportunity. So you being the seventh defenseman, you, your mindset, you're working hard in practice, you're not complaining. You're just giving your best effort. And then when that opportunity comes, you, you better be good because that window can be small. Uh, And so that's great, Lance, exactly what has to happen. And, you know, we're just kind of talking on, on advice to, to people and young kids or whoever is listening. It's, it's not a magic formula. Number one, it's not easy, uh, and you have to recognize that. And number two, you, you put the effort into it, and you also want to have that effort in all areas of your life, meaning if you want to be a good hockey player, you have to be also good person. You also have to be good with your eating habits, and you have to also be good in your academics. It's, you know, it's not a magic formula. It's just a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fun to be able to teach that now, Lance.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, my youngest, Rhett, he, he wrote something on our bulletin board. It says, how you do one thing is how you do everything. <laughs> so <laughs> it is. Great. It's uh, learning your process and to be consistent and diligent.
1: Yeah. Isn't that great? Uh, the, the young kids, how smart they are and how dedicated they are. And, uh, and they recognize how hard it can be. And uh, it's great to hear Rhett's taking on some of those, uh, attributes of wanting to be great.
0: But I'll tell you what, and you probably will agree with me, uh, preparing for a hockey season, uh, is completely different than (laughs) when we were these young kids ages. I mean, there's so many different moving parts that have to have time dedicated to it and you really have to have a commitment. And focus on refining your process.
1: Yeah, and that's what the, that's what uh, is going to make a lot of young players that are talented really good hockey players. Is that they know there's going to be setbacks, uh, and they and they and they these these young kids that are going to be successful they don't they don't complain about their coach, they and they don't complain about uh, uh, not getting the points. Uh, they don't look they don't look for excuses they they look for the setback and how they can get better and it's really cool you see this in some really young players uh and but then you also see the other end of it so I got a chance to coach high school hockey uh, for 20 years and you can kind of see the athletes that are complaining a little bit uh, about things that you know what they're looking for excuses uh, that won't help them succeed but these young ones that say hey this is kind of uh, not supposed to be happening this way, but I'm going to do something about it. It's really cool to see in these young players.
0: Yeah, I think you see that a lot in undersized players, the ones that are really gritty and, you know, they just put their head down and go to work. And, I've, uh, you know, you see it time and time again when that, that younger, that smaller player gets closer to his adult or her adult body they've been working so hard for so long, when it's a level playing field, they completely pass that other bigger player.
1: No question about it. There is an equal opportunity for a little player now uh, compared to some of the bigger kids that are rolling through. I know it's funny, these, these bigger kids kind of get looked at right away, uh, but the the smaller player now, uh knows what it feels like to get knocked down, they get back up and they try it again and they keep developing their so their their skills where they're just they're just so great as a little player, uh, with their skating, their stick hand and their shooting. Uh and it's 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 that setback when they're younger. It's it actually helps them when you're a yep. little player. Yeah. The to, to be able to play with that high skill. And I just love the game now at the college level and at the pro level. Uh, these guys are they're fantastic. Uh, little players that can make great plays. And I, I, one of the great person to lead the way was uh, Martin St. Louis. You know, he, he never, he never um, uh, made it right away out of college. He's got a great story behind him and we share that with our students. Uh, at Brickway Academy uh, on what he had to do to persevere. Uh, and so he was a great force in helping some of the younger players or smaller players become great uh, yeah. at that level.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to just diverse for a little bit here, one second. If uh, people at home, if you do a quick search of Dave Snuggerud hockey DB, you will see one of the sweetest mullets ever in the game. Dave, when did that become intentional? Because, I mean, it was your trademark and it still kind of is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tell you, uh, 25 years ago when I walked through the door, my dad always looked at me and said, would you get your hair cut, please? <laughs> and now having my own kids, I know exactly what he means. I would look like an absolute moron. <laughs> <laughs> not at the time, not at the time. <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> after your second season with Minnesota, you had, I mean, you go from a guy that uh, had no opportunity uh, at the end of your senior season in March. Uh, you get a lifeline with Dean Talifis playing in the USHL. Uh, play a couple years at the U. Uh, you didn't start playing right away, started on the JV team. And now, all of a sudden, after your second season, you have the opportunity to represent your country in the 1988 Olympic Games with Team USA. Uh, Do you think you could give our listeners some insight regarding that tryout process and the tour leading up to the Olympics? Because I was on the 92 tour, and that was tough and intense.
1: Yeah, it was It. Now with the selection of the Olympic teams, you know they just they go ahead and they select twenty guys. And you talked about the tour that has to happen. Is that we were playing? Uh, it was a, uh, it's called a sports festival where they invited um, uh, eighty guys down to a camp and you break up into four different teams, uh, and then you played against each other for a couple of weeks. And that was our trial process. Now they were doing some. Uh, observation or trial process during the, my sophomore year in college uh, and they were watching all these college games and at the time it was college players but then they brought these 80 guys down uh, to the sports festival in north carolina or south carolina and we played a series of games And you just had to give your best effort, and there you go. It's nothing surprising. If you want to stand out, you're going to try your best every shift that you're on the rank. Uh, And, you know, that's exactly what I did. Uh, And they bring you all into a room, and they brought 80 guys into a room, and they said, we're going to call off 25 names, and if your name is called off, you stay here, and we're giving you more information about the Olympic year, and if not, you got to go And uh, a good dose of reality happened during that uh, um, announcing of the team. I was sitting next to a great player, uh, Paulie Broughton. And Paulie, he's he's just a skilled guy and is a great team guy. And I was sitting next to him, and my name got called and his didn't. And I had to see him get up and walk out of the room. I just felt terrible. I'm thinking, this guy is an unbelievable player. How can he not have this opportunity? And... Um, they must have had their decisions on what the, the way they wanted to do things, uh, but just watching him leave there, as like, um, I better do something about this and make sure I become the best player that I possibly can, and that's the trial process, and that's the reality. Your name got called or didn't, and then you're you're moving on. So I was fortunate it did, uh, and I think the reason why it did is just because I. You know, I wasn't a real high-skilled guy. i was just a guy that's going to uh, be a good team guy. I'm going to compete both ends of the rink, uh for our team and help, uh, help us try to win as many games as we possibly can. And so I was fortunate enough to get my name called. Um, so it was it was an exciting time, but it was also like, ah, this kind of stinks. I'm not seeing some of my buddies that I'm going to chance to
0: play with. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always tough. When when was your name called? Was it early or was it late in that twenty five?
1: Yeah, I think they went alphabetical.
0: Snodgrass was okay. always a little bit later,
1: so you just kind of sit there and wait for it uh, to hopefully happen.
0: Yeah, I, so I do t- I remember that. I do
1: remember that afterwards, I uh, I was uh, had those mixed emotions, but I get I went to call my ma afterwards, and I had to go. I didn't have a quarter to put in the pay the payphone, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a long line there to <laughs> to use the payphone for the other guys that were also selected. I just remembered a payphone at that time, put, looking for a damn quarter. <laughs>
0: wow. Times have changed. So uh, let just take a couple minutes and just talk about the actual Olympic experience. Where they were in Calgary that year.
1: Yeah, we're up in Calgary. We didn't end up, uh, we didn't get to the medal round, but we had an unbelievable team with uh, Mikey Richter and Chris Trevor, our goalies, and we had Brian Leach as a defenseman, I and mean, Kevin Stevens and Craig Janney. And uh, we had just a slew of great players Kevin Miller, uh, Pete. Uh, um, LaValette, who's the coach down in uh, Carolina, but it was unbelievable. It was really uh, a good uh, players, and that was really fun because practices. You get to practice all these great players, uh, and that, that I real that's one thing I always enjoyed uh, about uh, hockey is practicing with really good players. Me too. Uh, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> and I was nowhere near that. But you watch them, these, these guys, how skilled they are. and like, oh, my gosh, it would be so fun to be able to do that. <laughs> uh, and that was the way with that Olympic team. And the same thing happened in HL too. It was just like you practice with these good guys. Uh, but uh, we uh, ended up, we did, we did a tour uh, for the whole year. So we're traveling on a suitcase from uh, end of August all the way to the Olympics in February. And that was really fun, traveling around with a bunch of 20-year-olds. Uh, going from city to city, uh, playing against some NHL teams and going to play against the Russians. We did a circuit with them and circuit with Team Canada. But uh, being able to have that opportunity was really, really fun. It was a great year. Uh, and that, so a couple of things end up happening. You'll you learn to work at something. Uh, but you have to learn how to do that. That's a It's a characteristic that uh people have to learn how to do and once you find out if you're working at it and you're giving your best it ends up being kind of fun uh knowing that you know, you're not guaranteed anything but if you work really hard uh you see what happens but that ends up becoming really fun and that's what i learned during that that olympic experience it was really hard uh jack Blatherwick was doing our training and our on-ice practices were really intense uh, and it was, and Dave Pearson was a coach. He was a superhuman being, a super coach. um But it was really hard. But through that hard work, it sends up like, God, this is kind of fun. Not knowing that there's any guarantees of winning a medal. Uh, but that that ends up was a th- something I really learned that whole year is dedicating hard work, and ended up it can be kind of fun. Uh, so we ended up going to Calgary. Uh, that was kind of fun. It was the the Olympics with um, the Jamaican bobsled. Uh, oh. which was kind of cool. um, and then there's a guy named Eddie the Eagle who was a long yeah. ski jumper there. He had the big coke uh, bottle glasses on and he couldn't see. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: so I wish I had a great story where you go ahead and win a medal. Darn it. It was disappointing. It was very disappointing. Uh, and very humbling uh, that we wanted to win a medal and we didn't come out with anything. Uh, but it didn't differ from having a great experience with great teammates, uh, which was a really fun year.
0: Yeah, once in a lifetime experience as far as I'm concerned. So uh, congratulations on that. That's uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty cool accomplishment that not many people can say they they had the opportunity to do. So, after the Olympics, you ended up going back to the University of Minnesota, Golden Gophers, little shout out to them, uh, where you and I were teammates again. And that was in, uh, was it 88, 89, 89? Uh, that was a special year for us. Uh, it had a ton of highs, but ending with a pretty big low. What do you remember about that season?
1: Well, um. Yeah. You know, I remember most of it was like after the Olympics, all my buddies were signing contracts and then to go to the NHL. And I had the opportunity uh, to go with the Buffalo Sabres at the time. It was like, gosh, what do I do? Do I continue to work towards my degree uh, or else try to uh, go get an H, start my NHL career? And really what made the decision wanting to go was to win a national championship. We had a great opportunity. You guys, uh, Gophers, just came off the year before uh, winning. Um, oh, I think you guys won the the WCHA and you lost to Michigan State uh, in the semis or the, uh, in the yeah. Sweet we State made it to State. the final
0: four that year again.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh my gosh, if I come back, that and that whole group was coming back. Uh, you had good goaltending with Robbie Stauber and. Uh, you had yourself and Randy Skarda, and we had some good forwards, the Hankinsons. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what said I got to come back. I want to win a national championship. Uh, and that was the whole mindset. Yeah, I get closer to my degree because I knew I wanted to be a school teacher, um, but wanting to go back there to win a national championship. So, so you put everything in the basket. You're like, well, I'm going for this. This is what I want to be able to do. And it was a great year. We had such great people on the team. Uh, and I loved our coaching staff, uh, and they were they were good people. They were, you know, they were, had the mindset we're going to try to win this whole thing this year, uh, like they do every year. Uh, but what I liked uh, really the best about it was was the way our guys got along uh, outside the rink. We had good young players, Larry Olam, uh, and Grant Bischoff. And so we had guys that were wanted to be team guys at a young age, and we had an older group there that were fantastic with Todd Richards and Lance Pitlick. Uh, so it was really uh, uh, it was a perfect uh, recipe for success because, number one, we were a team and that we got along, and then we had a lot of good skill work, and then we had a lot of guys that wanted to work at it. So it was a great year, um, and, of course, it didn't turn out the way you want to, um, but um, uh, that's what I like about. It. There's no guarantees in anything. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: you know that what what you didn't mention is that you know that national championship game was held in Minnesota in St. Paul, Minnesota. So we had our home fans. We were playing Harvard and. Was it double overtime? I've repressed that memory.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it, that's the thing. And to me, it was, it, at the time, it was the worst experience I had in hockey. But it was funny. We played Maine uh, the night before, and we were losing to them uh, halfway through the game. But we ended up coming back and winning, and we just had such great momentum going into the championship against Harvard uh, and here you think you're playing against Harvard. It's like ah, oh, I think you know we have a pretty good chance because we come from a really good league, playing against North Dakota, Wisconsin, and the WCHA. And so we took on Harvard, and we played against Harvard, and their their captain was Lane McDonald. Uh, Lane McDonald was my my roommate uh, at, with the Olympic here. Uh, right. So he was he, he's just an outstanding person. Um, and, and I'm, and we're playing Harvard. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if this team takes on his mentality of work ethic, uh, this is going to be a long game and a difficult game to play. And of course they did, uh, they were a great team. And so Lancy touched on the fact we got to the second overtime in front of 20,000 people at the St. Paul Civic Center. And you know it, just, it was just it was a script that was supposed to happen that we're gonna win an overtime uh, and, and bring the fourth national championship to the University of Minnesota. Uh, but uh, we lost off a face off in our um, in our in our own zone there. Uh, they won't draw it back, and there was a screen in front of Robbie Stauber, and they shot and they scored. And it was just the worst, of course, you know, you lose a game. Uh, it's the worst. Uh, experience that you can go through, Lance. Yeah. But uh, what what ends up happening as an athlete, and what I had learned is there's nothing guaranteed. And so for me, it was disappointing. But you use that as motivation on how I can get to the next level. What do I have to do? Uh, and that and so the terrible setback is actually something that it can be good and that you learn from but you make sure you determine to make sure it doesn't happen again so
0: yeah yeah great. so the the following year you you did wind up turning pro signing your first professional contract with the Buffalo Sabres who put, picked you up in the 1987 supplemental draft your first two seasons with them you never missed a game playing in all 80 contests both seasons What were some of the differences from the college game that you had to learn in a hurry, and how did you make those adjustments?
1: Yeah, you you, you, you don't. See, the learning process at that that level takes place uh, day by day, of course, because it's a business, and you have to learn how to take care of yourself and prepare every day. Uh, because you had the threat of, you know, being sent down to the minors. And if you weren't a professional, uh, you had to do things the right way all the time. And that's kind of what my characteristic was anyways, is I got to prepare myself every day to be really good. It was really fun, though, um, because I never really dreamt about playing in the NHL. I didn't think, oh, I got to play in the NHL. The the process just kind of happened through hard work and opportunities exist through hard work. But it was really fun uh, always getting a chance to play in a new NHL rink. Uh, I was a North Star fan growing up, and so you would listen to Bob Kurtz on the on the radio, uh, and he would be speaking from the Montreal Forum. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it'd be cool to go there someday. And then you got a chance to do it. So I, I always was very respectful of the game and respectful of these 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 teams because of the history of the NHL, and I used to love going into all these stadiums and playing, and that was my motivation always. Like, oh, i got to be able to get to uh, Madison Square Garden. Oh, i got to be able to get to the uh, St. Louis Blues Rink and play there. So it was really fun uh, to be able to do that. And, and so, yeah, I, I had a good run uh, for about two and a half years there where I didn't, I didn't miss any games. Um, and then at that point, then you learn it's a business, and there was talk about me getting traded. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know if you want to touch on that, but yeah, you're (laughs) yeah,
0: you're you're, after you played another year with Buffalo, you played in 55 regular season games, then you were traded to San Jose for two seasons, and then Philadelphia for one season. I noticed when looking at your your stats and stuff, your games played totals during your second season with the Sharks and the one you spent with the Flyers declined significantly. What was going on in those two, two years that kept you out of lineup so much,
1: Lance? You're doing your homework. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing your homework with the questions, and these are great questions. Uh, that it, it was uh, I got I was with Buffalo and I got traded at the uh, trade deadline to San Jose and. Uh, during that and that trade, that experience of being traded, you really learned that it was a business. Uh, and I always thought of the game as, "This is our team, the Buffalo Sabers." Uh, we had really great players, Mike Ramsey's from Minnesota, um, and Phil Housley's from Minnesota, and we and we just we just had really great. And you know, being in the league, these guys are are, are really good hockey players, but they're really good human beings too. Yeah. Um, most of these guys in the NHL. And it's it's really good. And I think, okay, this is our team. This is where, this is where we're going to develop. We're going to grow. We had a great run uh, with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, John Tortorella was the assistant coach uh, for our team. And a guy named Rick Dudley was the head coach. Uh, really great people, hardworking guys. And so I just had the culture of this is we're going to do this one of these days and get to the Stanley Cup. Uh, finals and hopefully win it. But all of a sudden, it was the trade deadline. They said, oh, you're gone. We're trading you to San Jose. And it's like, oh, my gosh, wait a second. This is not what I thought it was. Uh, it is a business. Uh, and so that kind of with that mindset kind of changed my mentality of the game. I wasn't bitter. It just was a question of, ah, you're you're doing this as a business. You're doing this to support a family. You're doing this. Um, to to be able to uh, support yourself along the way, so that was a little dose of reality, and that kind of hurt. Uh, knowing that, you know, I, coming through, I was a team player at the University of Minnesota. I was a team player for the Buffalo Sabers. was a team player for the Olympics, uh, and then, well, it's a little bit different mindset, which is just fine. I get it. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, it's wonderful, but that kind of changed my way a little bit. It's like, oh, okay. So, uh, um, uh, I got the chance to go to San Jose and it was a great city. It was funny. Uh, I got, I played in Buffalo for three years and. And um, then I got traded to San Jose when I was in Buffalo. Like nobody ever came to visit me. <laughs> when I was playing with the San Jose Sharks, we were in San Francisco. I had more friends come to see me. Hey, Snuggy, haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> uh, it was a great town. It was their expansion year, though, too. It was San Jose's expansion year when I got traded there the second half of the year. Uh, and it was, we, we, we had won 12 games that whole year. And yeah. that can't that just be long because I want to win. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point of it, and it was about team. And so that mentality, was it was, it was fine. It was expansion. It, it, I wish, like the expansion now, the way they, they can get these teams and these players together and have success like Vegas did, and Seattle's trying to do that right now this year. But uh, we didn't have that with that expansion year. We were taking uh, a lot of different players uh, that – uh, weren't as highly skilled. Great guys, don't get me wrong, but they just didn't have. We just didn't have the skill, and especially adding Dave Snugger to that, just didn't have the skill. But they're great guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we had similar experiences because I caught the tail end of uh, Ottawa's mm-hmm. expansion years, but also was able to be there for the first time they made the playoffs in the modern years. You know, so you go through that hardship, and you know. That was a that was a time that I really felt community pride, you know, being a part of that, those rocky roads, and then finally getting there. So yeah, I that's, feel- quite, that's
1: that's quite a story too with Ottawa. I mean that that is a hockey town where San Jose really wasn't quite a hockey town, and for you to experience that uh, was what probably was pretty cool, Lance.
0: Oh, it was it was amazing. I mean, they, we were rock stars in that town from. <laughs> Day after, so but this isn't about me. So (laughs) let's go to your final year playing professional hockey. Uh, It's not in the NHL, it's with uh, a local IHL team at the time, the Minnesota Moose. Uh, You played in 72 games that final season, potting 25 goals and 48 points a solid season after seemingly being off the rails for a couple of years, you know, from your first two years pro um, did you go into that final year knowing that it was your last? And if you did, you know, if so, how did you view the game different from a different perspective that season knowing it was going to be the last leg of the tour for you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that decision was really happening when I was in Philly um, uh, I was playing with with, with Lindros and uh, Mark Recky, and we had really good players too in Philly, uh, and they were trying to build the program out there. And, uh, and during that year, you know, I I still had the work ethic and still trying out, but did, did I have the desire? And that's when you first question it. Um, and that's and that was the beginning of the end. Lance is that I was I, I settled. I was satisfied with my career. I was happy being in Philadelphia, and I wasn't pushing. Uh, i would I didn't have that 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 goal in mind. Uh, and so now that I look back on it, it's it's that was the beginning of the end where I didn't have a goal set. you know yeah. and, and and so, I was in Philly, and 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 I give management credit. I mean, they recognize that in me. And the general manager brought me into the office and said, "Hey, Snuggy, we're gonna send you down to Hershey." Uh, and I had never been—I had never played the minors, and I hadn't ever been sent down. And uh, and I sat in the meeting. I'm going, hmm, ah, I I gotta be honest with you. I I, I really don't want to go down to Hershey. I just don't think I have the drive. Uh, and he just said, "Well, why don't you go home and think about it for a few weeks?" And so I was like, <laughs> "Okay, well, I was making a one-way contract at the time, and two more weeks would give me another paycheck." Um, and uh, I said, "Sure, I'll stay around for a couple of weeks." So I went and visited Washington D.C. for the week and got a little history. And, <laughs> um, and and it's funny. So my mindset now is like I don't have a goal in the NHL, but I knew I wanted to be a school teacher and that's kind of was a shift in my thinking. It's like I have I do have something to fall back on. I do have something that I really want to do and that was to become a school teacher. And so it was really, you know, I wasn't being honest with myself, but I and I and I give the uh the the management credit with the Philadelphia Flyers like they knew they could see it. Uh, and that's why they did what they had to do, and it was totally respectful. So after that two weeks, I went back in the general manager's uh, office, and I just said, ah, I think I'm going to go back to Minnesota and uh, finish my teaching career. And so I, I do. I got my car and drove back uh, to Minneapolis. Uh, and when I got back there that summer, uh, I, I took a class to finish up uh, my teaching degree, but then um, Glenn Sonmore from the Minnesota Moose, he was representing them on their ad- ad- admin staff, asked me if I want to play another year. So uh, I knew I could take a few classes <laughs> while I played with the Moose, um, and, and that's exactly what I did, knowing that uh, I got two goals here in mind. One is to help this uh, minor league team and the AHL of the Minnesota Moose play and be a good hockey team, but in the same token, I can... Uh, still work towards my degree uh, so I could become a school teacher. And that's what I did, and it was a great experience with the Moose, knowing that I wasn't going to do this for very much longer or try to make a comeback to NHL. It was just uh, being content but trying to to help a program get better. And So I just did it for one year with the Minnesota Moose. Uh, they asked me to come back a second year, um, but knowing who I was at the time, I knew I wanted to be a school teacher. And so that's yep. when I started my career in that. So it was fun with the Moose. It was great. Played at the Civic Center. Uh, and they had a great logo, <laughs> the old Moose head. Uh, great guys, too. I mean, Davey Christian was there. I got a chance to play with Davey Christian. He was on the 80 Olympic team. Uh, Larry Olam was around for a few games, but there was a bunch of guys coming in and out. Uh, they were Minnesota guys. So it was really fun.
0: That's awesome. Well, before we move on, Dave, I just want to congratulate you on really uh, a, an amazing career and journey. Uh, it's, it's just filled with uh, a lot of heart and determination and just perseverance, and uh, I'm just grateful I was able to spend a couple of years with you as your teammate playing for the Gophers.
1: Uh, well, thanks. You know, like, I, I wish I had uh, during this podcast, and I, I should have. I should have shared more stories on on those um, on some of the fun things that happened. Um, but, but the game was good to me, and the reason why the game was good to me because I was good to the game by giving my best effort all the time and giving your effort and working real hard and being good to the coaches. And I don't want to sound corny, but being the first guy on the ice, last guy off. Uh, made great friendships. Uh, I was in Dave Anderchuk's wedding <laughs> a little while back and still talked to a lot of guys uh, that played. And that, that's part of the whole experience. As long as you don't think you're bigger than the game, you stay yeah. humble. And that, it, it's exactly what the kind of person you're like, Lance. It's kind of 95% of those NHL guys are that way. They're just fantastic people. And it's a great league to be a part of. And So I've enjoyed it, and all I've been trying to do is pass that message on now as a school teacher to to younger kids on what it really takes to be successful.
0: Yeah. So you've been quoted several times saying that your hockey career got in the way or delayed your true passion, and that was to be a teacher. Uh, You've said it several times uh, in the interview about how important that was. Uh, how, How early did you know that that's what you wanted to do and just talk about uh you know your first couple of years teaching
1: uh, it's, uh the teaching the passion came when i was a junior in high school i worked in a special ed room and i was like i worked there for three months the real reason why i worked in there because i wanted to get out of my class at high school i wanted to be able to leave campus <laughs> and, and so i uh, had that opportunity and grabbed some lunch along the way and i'd go over to the elementary school work and i'm my first week in there I thought oh my gosh this is the best ever you can sit here and work with kids and um and teach them some things and, and interact with them in a positive way and uh you can do this for a career and 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 I told this to my dad and my dad looked at me and says you can't be a school teacher there's no money involved in that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just said well I think I want to try it so but uh and that's where the passion began. It was really my junior year in high school. Uh, and and I say that the hockey got in the way just because I learned how to work towards something. Uh, and then that's why the hockey took off. Just, it was it became a passion work ethic uh, that gets you there. And people say, what do you work ethic? What do you work? You just take the time to shoot pucks. You take the time uh, to work on your skating. You take the time to be a good teammate. You take the time to listen to coaches. That's what work ethic is, is this – Utilizing resources and going out there and implementing, uh, and that's what I did with teaching. I used my resources uh, in the College of Education, University of Minnesota. Talked with professors and went to class every day. Uh, didn't didn't have the time to miss it and just did the things the right way, uh, and that led to that the, the education and teaching. And that's what I'm doing now is uh, teaching school and. And having a great experience, I've done it for 25 years now, and it's been fantastic. I love it.
0: Yeah, that's uh, quite the story. So let's let's dive in. You, after 20 years of teaching in public schools, am I correct there? 20 years teaching yeah. in public schools? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you actually taught both of my boys uh, here in Y Z, Minnesota. Uh, and all of a sudden, you decided to leave that environment and venture out. Uh, on your own, creating Breakaway Hockey Academy. What? what I mean, you, that's just not something you come up with, you know, and implement six months. How long was that uh, vision in the old memory bank before it become a reality?
1: Well, it was uh That's a great question. And sometimes uh, you're blind and you can be stupid going into things, and I, and I don't know why I end up starting... Uh, this school, but I was uh, 15 years into teaching the public system, and and I loved it. Uh, it was great uh, teaching, but it was I I, I I experienced a lot of kids with different um, uh, backgrounds or different drives. Where you got the gamers in one part of the classroom, and you have the band kids in one part of the classroom. And you have the athletes in one part of the classroom. And you have the choir in one part of the. Classroom, and you had uh, the unmotivated kids in one part of the classroom. Whatever you just, it was, just a bunch of different cultures. It was it's really hard to teach in the public system uh, because really you, you get into teaching because you want to make a difference in kids' lives. I mean that's the bottom line the, what these teachers do, and and and, and I, I couldn't reach them all. It was it was too hard, and I'd go home and say ah, this kid is not doing the things I want him to do and help him out. And so it was really tough, and so. All it was was this a decision. How can I get a smaller culture group of kids and be able to motivate them? And and I decided to look at the uh, athletes because there's there's charter schools out there that teach the arts and there's charter schools that teach the music and and I said, well, why don't I have one that just teach the athletics? And and so that's what the drive, the vision was. It's like I can take the same-minded kids, athletes and try to motivate them academically, athletically, and with their personalities. And so that, that was the vision then, uh, which was really about 20 years ago. And it, it was a question of, how can I do this? How can you pull this off? Uh, so it's really beneficial for kids. And uh, I was lucky enough, I had 15 families that I had built relationships with uh, that took their faith in me saying, you know what, we believe your vision, Snuggie, we believe that you can teach our kids, we believe you can make them better hockey players Uh, and you're one of those families too, Lance and and it was really I was really lucky to to be able to have these uh, 20 kids this first year to be able to work with them and make them better students, better hockey players and better Uh, people Uh, but uh, that's where the vision just came from it's uh, how can we help kids uh, in all these areas and like I said you don't you don't know what you're getting into Uh, we I I stopped the the teaching job which was guaranteed the big bucks of 50 grand a year (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you just you just take this uh uh, chance of opportunity, but it's no magic formula, Lance. You're you're successful in the things that you do, uh, with all the different endeavors you do, Lance. It's it's it just stems from the hard work. And yeah. you learn that playing the HL. You, you order, in order to get to that level, you had to work pretty dang hard. And so that was just the mindset. So I got up at three in the morning and answered emails. Uh six o'clock rolled around, I got in the bus and drove the bus to pick up the kids. Uh, and and then you teach the science class uh for a couple hours and you say hey i gotta go run upstairs i gotta go make you guys lunch and so then i'd run upstairs and make them lunch uh and then uh and then there was uh some kids that weren't trying hard on the rink and so then after lunch you go on the rink and you're helping some of the kids on the ice um and then at the end of the day you don't go home you're you're answering more emails and you're you're doing sales and you're trying to figure out the budget and and so you're just doing all those different things but it's it's fun because it's work and you can't be afraid of the work because that's where the fun comes from and so those things you do and so that's what happened the first year we had 20 20 kids and 20 kids went to 30 kids and then 30 kids went to it wasn't like booming overnight and went to 35 kids and then um uh, now 10 years into this, we're at 300 kids and we're having impact on them, which is really fun.
0: Yeah. And, and two locations now, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, you must be doing something right. So, uh, my, you know, my son, Rhett went there, uh, for three or four years. And, you know, the one thing that was apparent was you, you talk about having a room full of, kids that all share at least one common passion, and that's hockey. And what I found what was amazing with you and the other teachers there, the on-ice instructors, is that you try to use that as much as you can in teaching. And I'll give you an example. Um, They were working on a math project. So my kid comes home, yeah, we're working on a math project. They split us up into small groups, and they gave us a budget of like $40 million dollars. Now we got to go research players' salary, salaries and then we're going to have a draft tomorrow and then we're going to play, uh, you know, you got to make trades and play fantasy hockey for the week and all that. Well, that became sticky, and learning became, like, ultra fun for my kid and the, the, the ones that, you know, I was closest to down there. So uh, what you guys have, have done, the, the opportunity and the learning experience – uh, at Breakaway Academy is is just beyond impressive. It's 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 really a great business model, and I I just hear nothing but great things about uh, the school, your staff, uh, everyone.
1: Well, yeah, thanks, Lance. It's it's great. That's nice to say that. And I, I'm just, I was so happy for your boy uh, to be able to to go through Breakaway, and he just did, he's he is such a humble kid. And, and here I am. I went through my whole career, my whole life. You're trying to be humble. How do I teach a humble kid how to be more humble? <laughs> but, but then now stems from parents, great parents. But, you know, with, with RAD, the whole idea is like, why can't school be fun? Why can't it be? And it's not like yippy skippy fun, but it should be, be fun. You want kids to be able to say, oh, that was great. I loved it today. I, I learned how to uh, uh, run an Excel spreadsheet through uh, budgeting a $70 million salary cap with NHL. And, yeah. and, and, that's, and that can be fun. And you're right. When you have the same-minded uh, like people in your school, which uh, all of our kids are very competitive, so you have, you have a spelling bee, and you have it in front of kids, and the winner gets a hockey stick. Well, they're motivated. They're going to learn how to spell words. And so that's part of the fun of our school is that we take the time to be creative and have some fun with some things. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we did a, we did a, uh, a Valentine's uh, project yesterday and then with the fourth graders and fifth grade, who can build the best Valentine's box? Well, and they're, they're working on art skills. Yeah, and we like that. And now it's a comp- uh, competitive. One of the uh, Valentine's box, it was great. It was uh, it was Drew Hellison. Drew Hellison's on the Olympic team right now, and he was a student at our school. But one of the kids put a Valentine's box, of Drew Hellison's hair in his face, and had the breakaways. <laughs> it's great. But uh, school can be fun, and that's exactly the environment we've created. We have we our our, our teachers and our on ice people were a team. And I just learned that mentality growing up in hockey. It's like we have uh, we have a captain of our team, Jeff Metzler. He's the principal. We have great role players, Joyce Thomas. She's a science teacher that has passion for kids. And it's really fun. So our we've kept our same staff in place now for 10 years. We've only grown. But when you join our staff, you're joining our team. And so the teachers are having a great time. The students see this, we keep our class sizes small so they're getting paid attention to. And then our on ice staff are teaching skills. We're not a team, we're not worried about conditioning. And they do a great job of just teaching skill work and becoming a better hockey player. So the culture of our staff to our students is it's, it's a really a fun place to be. And it, it's not just a hockey school. We're a, we're a school that teaches and strives on becoming very academically smart. We want them to be really good people. Uh, and and the way you teach good people is exactly the career I went through. It's failure. When you fail, what do you do about it? And like I said, you're going to be talking to all these people in your podcast coming up, Lance. They all have a story to tell. And, that's, and they do something about that story uh, to make it successful. And that's through hard work and doing things you have to do to be great.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh the messaging throughout this, this whole interview has been awesome. And, uh, I, I just, am so happy with, you know, how things have gone for you. I mean, I know you, you, you talked about working long hours, getting up at three in the morning, going to bed at midnight, you know, a lot <laughs> of days like that. But at the end of the day, Dave, you and I, and your staff there at Breakaway Academy, uh, we're all the same. We're servants. And, Hockey is the vehicle that we get to use to to, uh, teach and to pass on information to these kids. So uh, I want to congratulate you on an unreal uh, hockey career. I'm so grateful that my son was able to uh, be a part of uh, your your master plan as far as Breakaway Academy because it, it it was an environment for him that was needed. It wasn't working in public schools, and, um, you know, it kind of saved him to where by the time he was a senior at Chaska High School, he was a 4.0 student. So you guys are doing something right, so keep it up. So thanks again, Dave, for taking the time. Uh, unreal interview, and I, it was really nice to catch up with you.
1: All right, Lance, thanks for you, and good luck to you, buddy. It's always great speaking with you. You're a superhuman being, so it's great. Thank you. Thank well,
0: you. Thank you. And if people want to learn more about you and to to get some, some information about Breakaway Academy, what is the, the website? How can they find you?
1: Yeah, it's breakawayacademy.net. dot Pretty easy. Oh, yep, pretty easy. And and, was, and we want you scoring on those breakaways too. So
0: <laughs> my breakaway days are over. <laughs> <laughs> but well, Dave, again continued success. Uh, If you ever need anything from my end, please don't hesitate to ask and uh, look forward to maybe catching up with you for a beer down the road.
1: All right, sounds good, Lance. Thanks again.
0: Well, another episode has been brought to the finish line. What a story of chances and opportunities and being prepared through preparation, focus, and a lot of self-belief and hard work. What I love about the post hockey career of Dave Snuggerud is that he's still passing on what he learned through his experiences to the students at Breakaway Academy who are trying to reach what he achieved. Awesome interview. Before I let you go, I want to thank you for stopping by for a listen. If you think someone in your circle of family and friends might enjoy Snuggy's story, please share it with just one person. It really helps me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe. I hope to see you back here soon, and do me a favor, make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.